Movie Wars. Episode 0003. T2 vs. Aliens. Hasta la vista, motherfuckers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of the Movie Wars podcast. Woo-hoo. I'm your host, Kyle, and like a cyborg, I'm cold and hard inside. What's up, dickwads? I'm Drew, and I've <laughs> never been mistaken for a girl. <laughs> and I'm Phil. And I only come out at night sometimes. <laughs> I mostly come out at well night. Well done. Mostly. I don't know if that's the quote or not, but Close. it is now. Newt. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been mistaken for a newt. Well, we are not easy on ourselves here at Movie Wars, are we, boys? We mm-hmm. are doing another amazing battle. We've been sticking in the vein of these pop sci-fi films, the Aliens, Predators, Terminators, RoboCops. And uh, this was actually Drew's idea. We actually did episode two, and he was like, why don't we do T2 versus Aliens? And oh, and it took me a second because those universes really, because with Alien Predator, they've already been you know merged in cinema. And because they're both creatures, they kind of, you know, they have that connecting. We always want to connect the movies we do with either stories or a theme. And I started to think after Drew said that, and I was like, that really does make a lot of sense because they're both James Cameron. Both of these films, and this is the main hook of these movies, is they're both incredible sequels that are better than the originals, and the originals are absolute iconic masterpieces. It's incredible how these two films are predated by two incredible iconic films that we've already done on this show. And they're both near perfect films like their predecessors. Um, They're both movies that James Cameron continues to push the envelope with each movie. And this is what we talked about with James Cameron before the podcast is that James Cameron every decade just invents. He just creates. He, when you watch the special features on Aliens and T2, the film crew and the cast just talks about how he just pushes the boundaries, especially with CGI because T2 was kind of recognized as the film that made CGI in the way we know it today kind of really popular when you watch Transformers and things like that really popularized how it's used today and the thing about it is is that when you watch James Cameron talk about it on the on the special features he's like yeah but people didn't figure out how to use it after the movie either after T2 people tried to use a lot of CGI but because they don't understand photography cinematography it always looked horrible because it was out of context they didn't know how to do shadows or coloring and so even after this film people still didn't know how to replicate what James Cameron was doing another one of my favorite things that connects these two movies is the incredible female arcs. I'm a huge Arnold fan, as you all know, but in, you know, in the 80s and the early 90s, so many of the action films were, you know, centered around machismo, strong male, you know, strong male figures like Rambo, Commando, which is awesome, but it's, you know, where were our female heroes? Because when you look at these female arcs, you have two female characters that are, you know, meek. They start off, you know, when you look at Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor in Terminator 1, she's a waitress. She's 18. She's just living like a roommate. She's not a fighter. She's not someone that's going to, you know, beat a cyborg. When you look at her in T2, Linda Hamilton, muscly, incredible, strong. I love how she takes on the guards in the psychiatric ward. Literally, when I watch it, when she broke the dude's nose and pushes him in the chest and he flies two feet back, like, she's a warrior. And with Ripley, I mean, she's not meek necessarily, but she doesn't do anything that makes you think this person's going to slay a bunch of aliens in the next movie. But again, rises to the occasion. And again, this is something James Cameron does that you don't see a lot of, building these meek arcs all the way up to the heroic archetype. Also, I love the use of children in these movies because with Newt especially, it adds such a frightening idea that this is the only survivor, you know, on the planet. And she's been surrounded by either dead people that are now nests for the face huggers or just dead people. 
and she's been living there and surviving. I mean, she looks like a latchkey kid, but, but that's because she's been, you know, <laughs> hiding out for so long. But And I love John Connor. Even though I'm not a big Edward Furlong fan, I love the idea of them getting a 12, 13-year-old kid in this movie to kind of counter this stoic Arnold, this stoic cyborg. Last point I'll make is I love how these movies paint bleak futures. You know, with Alien, we talked about this on the first Alien podcast. Alien really played on this fact that before... Aliens were little gray men. They were, you know, we they were more mysterious than dangerous. We uh, maybe they'll probe us, maybe they'll abduct us. We don't know where they're from. We're really more worried about the world ending than the aliens themselves. And Alien was the first movie to say, no, these aliens are terrifying. They're brutal. They're violent. They're going to penetrate you sexually. They're going to violate you. You know, they're going to stick it in your ass whether you like it or not. <laughs> I was not ready for that. They'll penetrate you. Sexually. They're going to penetrate you sexually. Sure, but non-sexually, <laughs> they're just going to fucking penetrate you. All right. But, We're rolling, uh, <laughs> dude. This is just, it's, it's this is real life here. I regret saying it. No. It's real weird <laughs> life, but it's, it's real. Cheers. Cheers. But what's crazy is think about the year. Terminator's what, 1991? Terminator 2? I believe so, yeah. Think about the technology they had then. That was like beeper era, you know? And now, so true. think about where we're at now, but they still had a very, you can tell there's a fear about what technology could do and where technology was going to take mm. us. And Robocop oh, was the same. It's a great observation. Yeah, I mean, so I love how James Cameron, even in these, you know, 1986 and in 91, was still thinking forward to the future and had a bleak outlook based on what technology could do or how we view other species. Really calculated, really great points of view from James Cameron in these movies. I want to know what you two, what your experience of these movies are why they're unique to do with uh unique to you wow well I, I recently watched terminator and terminator 2 uh for the first time late in life so it was a, a thrilling experience terminator 2 felt a lot to me like terminator 1 just with money <laughs> it felt like like hey what if we made terminator but a summer blockbuster smash and threw a bunch of money at it and it's it's just as uh, George Lucas says, it's faster and more intense. Like, just everything's just, you know, turned up a notch. So th that was my takeaway from Terminator 2. Aliens, I felt like it was a completely different thing. Like, it felt like it existed within the universe and was cohesive, but at the same time, its own living, breathing film that really didn't need the first one. It was like the perfect balance of an homage and also just kind of living as its own thing. So th that was my takeaway from Aliens. Awesome. Well, Phil. Uh, you stole mine. Um, that's m more or less was my experience, too. I saw I saw Alien, uh, the original, years ago, but um, just for the first time watched T2 and Aliens for this podcast, and I'm glad I did because they were unbelievable. Both of them were just incredible rides, still held up to this day. Going from Alien to Aliens, Alien had, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but it kind of felt, had like an art house vibe to it, but with Aliens in it. Whereas Alien, uh, the second Alien movie was action-packed. Uh, it seemed like they dialed in the franchise. There was a lot of smartassery there. You know, it was it was kind of more in step with what I think your normal film goer would want. Whereas Alien felt a little more niche, but maybe that's for the the current age we live in. And then T1 to T2. T2 to me felt like a do-over of T1. It was like T2 could have stood on its own because it gave a pretty cohesive story arc from the beginning. It kind of felt like maybe that's what they meant for T1 to be. Uh, either way, both amazing Actually, films. it was. Yeah. That, that was the original script. They just didn't have the technology. It made sense. And watching it, it felt like T1 wasn't the original vision. T2 was. 
and it, it you could tell. And the and the crazy part too, the CGI in T two was I really appreciated it because you could tell that James Cameron and whoever was over the special effects in that movie really knew the limits of the technology, and so they used it in a way that wasn't disruptive to the to the experience and the immersion. The CGI pretty much was limited to either the guy is liquid metal or he's not. And I felt felt like that was a really brilliant use of it because mm-hmm. because it wasn't too complex, but it was really convincing. Like he always looked like metal or he always looked like a man. Yeah, and they the didn't try to do too much with it. Yeah, totally. And it wasn't it wasn't like you get in some of these other movies like if you rewatch some of the uh the Star Wars prequels like Jar Jar now looks like a bad PlayStation 2 character. You know, mm-hmm. where whereas you watch through T two and it holds up. It's That's crazy. Liquid metal just looks mm-hmm. great in nineteen ninety one. It looks great now. Really loved what they did with both of these films. They were both amazing experiences for me to experience for the first time, and got nothing bad to say about either one. I love your point of view on the liquid metal man because that's what my experience with these films is, and, that, and that's why they stick with me. And it didn't really hit me until my last rewatch, which is probably my two hundredth, because I love these movies. Part of the reason why I think Liquid Metal Man T one thousand is memorable is because of the way Robert Patrick plays him. Because when he's not in his metal, you know, transformation form, he's so stoic. His face is so skinny. He's built perfect to look like a guy that's probably metal on the inside. No doubt. <laughs> he got them pointy ears. Yeah. yeah, he's got a really menacing forehead, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just got that really stoic, Have you seen this villainous boy? look. So, uh, I like that bike. <laughs> what was that scene? Oh, uh, yeah, that's I when... I really the, like that bike. <laughs> after he chases uh, chases him in the car out of the garage. Yeah, that's probably a totally different quote, but you know what I'm no, saying. No, that's exactly right. No, that's... Uh, yeah, no, I love that scene. Yeah, but my experience, again, too young. Watched all these movies too young. No parental <laughs> guidance. But I'm glad because I'm obsessed with these movies. It's my favorite genre, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get into movies you guys have seen a hundred times because, <laughs> you know, I'll be in your, in your whims. But, you know, this... The movies I've seen a hundred times are not as good as the movies you've seen a hundred times. Okay. <laughs> I've watched some weird shit over and over and over again. All in Japanese, Fast right? and the Furious and then probably some weird fucking Miyazaki <laughs> movies, you know. Yeah, that's me. So anyway, keep We'll get going. to those. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I just remember uh, when my experience as a kid just seeing, and it still shocks me, even though this was so long ago, the effects, kind of like you said with T2. I can't believe how much they hold up and how cool they are. And I think it's because of how practical those effects well, are. They knew their limits. Mm-hmm. That That's the thing. It's the thing that I, th- I think makes movies hold up over time is that people know their limits. Mm-hmm. And in T2, you could tell they knew the limits with the CGI. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm keeping it in the in the frame of mind that it's 1991. You know, it's probably taking, you know, 15 days to render one frame or whatever mm-hmm. because it's 91 and who the hell knows how long that shit takes. But um, yeah, because I'm thinking to like, I watched a, a Toy Story documentary and it took something like three days to render something like 15 seconds of footage from that film. <laughs> or or the, I may be way off on that, but it was a significant number of days but with a long time. multiple wow. dedicated computer farms to render one frame of that film. And so I'm thinking, you know, four years earlier or four or five years earlier, 91, like they knew their limits and they kept it within those limits. And it's like, we can't make convincing looking characters with CGI, but we can make a guy kind of morph a little bit and make him look like metal. And to me, that was, 
is I just really appreciate that as as a film enjoyer person. I don't even know where the hell I'm going with this. <laughs> I'm just gonna guy. take a sip of my bourbon and give I, it back to Kyle. I feel like that speaks to Cameron though, because it, it's the difference between looking at I mean, you mentioned Star Wars earlier. It's the difference between looking at technology in a film and thinking, this is really good because it's good and not looking at it and saying this is good because it's new tech and exactly. people are going to like it at the time. Like it takes a special kind of eye, I think. Um, I, I would imagine, I, I didn't watch this when it first came out, but I would imagine it would have been similar to The Matrix where it was when that first, like you saw the technology and you were like, what the, the sh- I've never yeah. seen anything like this. I mean, I can't imagine sitting in a theater in 1991 and seeing this for the first time. It was probably mind-blowing. I mean, it looks great now. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. it, that's what I love about it. Same with Matrix. I, that, yeah. that was kind of the, par- like it's it's the kind of tech that's like, it's still stunning even today. Absolutely. I'm going to get into the synopsis. What do you think? Or the synopsis. 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 Who knows? That's a word no one cares about. Let's hit it. <laughs> Aliens, <laughs> 1986. Original budget was $18.5 million. Worldwide cumulative gross, $131 million. Good Lord. Yeah. A significant increase. from. I think the original uh, gross, 70. But with inflation, wow. like we've said, $8, 9000000000000 trillion probably. Difference there. <laughs> Um, <laughs> It'll, it would take care of the national debt. We'll put it that way. Oh, yeah. Here's the plot. 57 years after surviving an apocalyptic attack aboard her space vessel by merciless space creatures, Officer Ripley awakens from hypersleep and tries to warn everyone and anyone who will listen about the Predators. Starring Sigourney Weaver, Carrie Hinn is Newt, only movie she was ever in. Really? Yep, her and Sigourney Weaver are still really close, though. No way. Michael Bean as Corporal Hicks, and Michael Bean is so much better in this movie than he was in Terminator, I'll say it now. He's still kind of cardboard, though. Yeah, Let's a little be bit. Real. But he wasn't as much as like, I want a quadruple burger! I want a burger! <laughs> Follow me if you want to live! <laughs> well, women are just warriors. Hey, I've become a beanhead the last couple weeks. I'm a big Michael Bean I want to hear more about that. I love Michael Bean. I love his uh, pirate goatee and the special features. Lance oh. Heinrichs is Bishop, one of my favorite actors. Bill Paxton, of course, uh, as uh, Private Hudson. And Jeanette Goldstein as Private Vasquez. And I point her out for a specific reason. We'll get to that. Um, some random facts about this movie. Sigourney Weaver's Best Actress Academy Award nomination for this movie was the first ever for an actress in a role in an action movie. Yeah, that what? Was pr- pretty landmark. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's because she knocks it out of the park. Again, I said this on Alien. Who who else could play Ripley? Probably no one. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that she gets enough credit. Obviously, she got, I mean, she got an Academy nod. So that's, Natalie that, she got credit Wood. at the time. But she really, the, the franchise wouldn't be what it is without her. She's so distinct. Absolutely. She's tall. Like she's, she just, she just fills this role. Yeah. Um, I love she Sigourney weaves her way into it really well. <laughs> um, the queen was really interesting. It took 16 people to operate the queen at any given time. So 16 people with long sticks, like moving the features around and it's less el- than I would have thought. Uh, yeah, honestly. And then the elevator scene at the end, it was too big. They actually couldn't fit it in the elevator. So <laughs> they had to like build new elevators and do all this optical stuff to even get the alien to do that scene with the elevator. Um, elevator. <laughs> barely uh, rose her. Yeah, barely raised her. Barely lifted her. Barely floored her. <laughs> We're really funny. <laughs> That's a thing we do. We'll get to that. <laughs> it's going to happen a lot on this podcast. A lot of editing on this one, eh? <laughs> no, no, dude. If it's good, we'll leave it in. I mean, I there's it. some there's some weird banter on this, including this moment right now, which I, I will now review in the past and be like, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> I love you, Phil. <laughs> I love you so much. I will now review in the past. This is really interesting. Okay. Um, I no, it's I'm, not. No. <laughs> 
Uh, most of the crew was actually part of Ridley Scott's crew of Alien, and they did not respect James Cameron at all. In fact, they paused to... So he was making Terminator when he they were talking to him about making the sequel to Aliens, and he invited the crew alien or of the Alien crew, the original crew, They he invited them to the Terminator set to say, hey, here's what I'm capable of, here's what you can look forward to. Nobody took the invitation because nobody liked him and nobody cared. No one wanted to work for James Cameron. Good Lord. Yeah. What my understanding of the situation was is that they filmed because of the, the studio at the time or whatever, they had to film. They were filming it at Pinewood, which I think is in London. And a lot of the, uh, I guess, Pinewood, if you shoot at Pinewood, you have to use Pinewood's people who are mostly on staff. So Cameron was coming from like a gorilla just grassroots kind of like, you know, people working eight, 12 to 16 hours a day where then he showed up at Pinewood where he had to use the crews that they provided. And they're like, nope, we want our tea in the afternoon and we're going to clock out at five o'clock. Yeah, and, like, and, 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 and so, could, so that's why we won the war, guys. And that's why we're still a nation. <laughs> so Cameron wanted to, you know, he wanted a guerrilla film make and his crew didn't like him because they're like, nah, hell no, I'm out of here at five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and that's why you were out of America, and, <laughs> and now you don't have a colony. So uh, that's why everyone knows James Cameron's name, and nobody knows everyone else's name. Yeah, exactly. And he's apparently is a bear to work with, and I think that's why he gets the results because he, when you listen to him talk on the commentary, he really runs it like a business. Like he's very cutthroat. They'll do things over and over again because he's like the reason they say he's so good with CGI is because he doesn't just know the effects; he knows how to use them creatively. He knows what he's imagining. Like all the stuff you see in the movie he storyboards like on T2 so like he's pushing for that vision and if you don't like it it's like you're just a you're just a thing to be knocked over it's just like he will get the <laughs> what he wants regardless which actually he does have that in relationship with Ridley Scott Ridley Scott talks about in the commentary how you just have to be a bull to get what you want but they knew Ridley Scott they didn't know James Cameron so both great names too Ridley well, and Scott Ridley is James British Cameron. so he understands that culture a little better than this is the funniest thing to me that I learned and Drew you may have seen this in the commentary but Sigourney Weaver is an anti-gun person mm -hmm. and but she says she was reading several scripts at one time before she decided to do Aliens and she says she did a skim and didn't know how many guns were in the movie and was shocked when they kept making her shoot things and use grenade launchers and apparently James Cameron's not like a pro gun guy but there's a lot of footage of him having fun shooting guns like he loves mm -hmm. like they showed like T2 the minigun which is the same minigun in Predator it's the same exact one, old painless. Like James Cameron shooting, <laughs> he's shooting the minigun, laughing hysterically. So Gordon Weaver was it like, real? Oh, I mean, I don't know how real it is, but I mean, it has. Uh, I mean, they shoot blanks, but it sounds interesting. Real. In the commentary, Cameron talked about this, and he was kind of laughing about mm -hmm. it because because Gurney is such a anti-gun personality, and she one day he and she went out shooting just for her to get comfortable with it. And she was super like hesitant and didn't like it. And she was, you know, apprehensive. And he said that after her first, like she shot her first round and she turned around and looked at him and she kind of got like a half smile and was like, that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's because you realize it's an object. And Cameron and it, was laughing yeah. at it. He was like, because, <laughs> you know, when you shoot a gun, you, you get why they're, yeah. what the intrigue is. Yeah. And like I said with John McTiernan, because he basically said the same thing in the Predator commentary, you cash the check. Yeah, the million dollar paycheck didn't hurt. <sighs> yeah, and yeah. it's easy It's easy 40 years later to say you didn't like guns. Yeah, yeah. and a million dollars in 1985... That's three oh, trillion. I mean, a million dollars now. is a lot of money now, but that was a lot of money 40 years ago, 35 yep, years yeah. ago. Um, and this is the last interesting fact. Ridley Scott was simply just not asked. That was one of my first things I wanted to know about was like, why did why did Ridley Scott not direct? They didn't want him to. They wanted James Cameron. He's working on Gladiator. 
that was <laughs> <Not quite. laughs> a, lot of, a lot of early planning. Fourteen on that years one. later, before Russell Crowe was born, <laughs> I will cast Russell. Back Crow. when he was Russell Raven. <laughs> Wait, wh- why? Do you know? Do you know any more about that? I don't think they could have seen how Ridley Scott could have produced something more interesting than the first. Because remember, the first one relies on space. It's horror. It's all about tension. It's just one alien. The pacing like, is also very, very different. It's based on very, it's spatial horror. Mm-hmm. The, number two is like a, like guns out. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, I wonder yeah, if it was financial half. too. Yeah. Like was, cause Cameron wasn't Cameron yet. I mean, he had done Terminator, which was mm-hmm. a big deal, but I wonder if it was like, well, we can't pay Ridley and Sigourney. So mm-hmm. let's get this American guy. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, I don't know. We'll talk about Terminator two. Now a cyborg identical to the one who failed to kill Sarah Connor must now protect her teenage son, John Connor from a more advanced and powerful cyborg. This movie at the time was the biggest budget ever for a movie. It was 102 million estimated worldwide gross, 520 million, 205 of that being in the U S. Wow. That still sounds huge to me. <laughs> That's a lot of money. It doesn't lot. matter how you slice Even it. That's by, a lot I mean, of money. I know that's like the ninth Fast and Furious now, but... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Budget 500 million, worldwide billings, 1.2 bill. But 91. <laughs> bill. Bill. Uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator, Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor, Edward Furlong as John Connor, and Robert Patrick as T-1000. And I wanted to connect these two because it took me... I had to look twice... Even though she's a minor character, Jeanette Goldstein, who plays Vasquez, is John Connor's stepmother in this. No way. Yeah, it's really hard to tell because she's not pretending to be Hispanic in this one. She's Jewish, but in the first one, she was pretending to be Hispanic. (laughs) Does that fly today? Not to get into politics, but does that fly today? It doesn't. No, I I mean... Anne Hathaway just apologized for playing someone with a disability, even though she's not disabled. Because God forbid actors... Act. <laughs> We're going to get on a soapbox here. Only real people can pretend to be people. Yeah. <laughs> you can only be pretend to be what you actually are when you're not pretending to be what you aren't. See? <laughs> Al Capone just walked in the room, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you see? Give me a I need a haircut. Scrap it. We're talking about Al Capone movies now. Deep dish pizza. Give it to me now. I'm going to slice you up. I don't know what that means. Now, Drew, which wife is Linda Hamilton? Of James Cameron, does three, number three, number four. I think, I think two, because he had. I, I mean, no. I don't know, but I think he was married to someone non-movie related, and then he left her for Linda. Maybe that's why she started smoking. His first so wife much. was a writer on Alien. Was that Gail Hurd? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Gail Hurd, and then Linda. So he left Gail for Linda, and then I don't know after that. Basically, then, every movie he nabs a new wife. Another, but they're all like powerhouse Hollywood people. Mm-hmm. Because then he eventually married the Linda. She directed The Hurt Locker. She's a big director. Oh, Catherine Bigelow. (laughs) (laughs) Linda Hamilton? Linda Catherine Catherine Bigelow. Bigelow. That's us. All right. I did not know this. Linda Hamilton has a twin, and she's in... Twinda Hamilton. They use her in the Terminator movies. (laughs) 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 Linda Hamilton. (laughs) We could end on that note. That was strong. One of my favorite facts about T2 is the original ending. And one of the reasons they cut it is because it was a little too long. And they actually had to cut so many great scenes, like kill the puppies, so to speak, about... Originally, John Connor was going to be grown up as a senator. Uh, Sarah Connor's a grandmother watching John Connor's grandchildren run around on the playground that gets blown up in all of her dreams in Los Angeles and all the apocalypse bomb nuclear things. Yeah, so that, that was, was a gonna- scene at the end. Uh, that That playground scene was oh. that was a lot yeah you mean when it blows up oh it's yeah so brutal which had to be really fresh at the time like had we seen a lot of 
post-apocalyptic movies yet? No. Like, I mean, I whole... feel like the late 90s were when the post-apocalyptic thing came. You know, right. Armageddon, Deep yeah, Impact, all those crazy films. It's the kids. It's like the shriveling ash from the bones of the children. and like They go through all the stages of human decomposition with yeah. nuclear explosions. Like, And they yeah. show Linda Hamilton getting blown up multiple times, you know? And from an effects perspective, they don't talk about it. We talk about the T-1000 a lot, but that holds up, that scene. That is so well done. Like, it's still convincing. Like It's, it's still, a lot. I cringe a little still. I, cringe, mm. I cringed a lot when I watched it. That sounds cool, Kyle. I'd love to see that movie. Yeah. Was it like in like an alternate universe or something? That'd be cool. Well, it's filmed. It's just not out. But the reason, another reason they cut it is they thought it was too final. They knew they wanted to keep the series open. And they thought, like, well... It's filmed, but they haven't released that footage? I don't know if it's released, but that that film, that scene is filmed. They did film that ending. Yeah, and I think, the, unfortunately, I mean, that could have been a good ending because it wasn't until recently they started doing a good job on these because T3 to me is okay. It's mm -hmm. good, but it's not great. They could have closed it up here and we would have two fantastic movies and a great franchise, but like a lot of other of these franchises, they shit on it over and over again until James Cameron came back to help write Dark Fate. Boom. Did he? That's yeah. why Dark Fate's he, good. Yeah, he co-produced and I think co-wrote. Uh, yeah. It's all about the people that you work sense, with. That makes sense, because I like that Contractually, one. he couldn't work on any more after T2. He had some weird thing with his contract where he wasn't allowed to touch another one for a certain period of time, or it was a certain amount of films, but he wasn't allowed to touch Terminator again. I think this what is the, the one... Fuck? Why would you put that on the contract? Well, please forgive me, everyone, if this is wrong. I think this is James Cameron, but James Cameron negotiated his first contract. He didn't want an agent. He wanted to do it himself. And unlike CGI and effects, he couldn't negotiate his own contract because it really pigeonholed him. He also didn't start getting royalties for the Terminator films to like the 2000s. Wow. Yeah, because he was he didn't want to use an agent. And so instead, he, he just negotiated a really bad contract for himself. Wow. That's what happens when you're living in a car and you... Have a dream about a really great plot. And okay, then, but that was Terminator. Right. So... For aliens, I don't know. We'll get to that. We'll get if to I can that. Google we'll it. it. It took so long to film T2 that Edward Furlong goes through puberty in the middle of the movie. So they... <laughs> I heard that. They, they constantly have to make up for it. Like, in scenes where he obviously is taller, they had to, like, find ways to make him seem the same height. And also, like, they had to keep doing scenes because his voice kept breaking up. Yep. Good and if you're Lord. paying attention, some parts of the movie, he sounds like this. And other parts, is like, it's starting to change. It's like... So this is where we get into the James Cameron taking, like, 19 years to make a film thing. Yep. Like, first Terminator, fine. And then, you know, how you hear about what Avatar took a bazillion years to make. Bazillion is what you say when you don't know how many years it was. In my notes, it says 171 days to film. Maybe he just hit puberty at a bad time. Maybe Aliens rocketed. only took 62 days, I think. Wow. wow. That one? And that one has a lot That's of... That's not including pre-production and post-production, but just shooting, 62 days. And that has a lot of practical effects mm -hmm. compared to T2. Interesting. So that one moved fast. Crazy fact here. And I know we're going long. I have so many crazy facts here. The biker bar scene was filmed the same night and across from the same like location of the Rodney King beating. It was happening wow. while they were filming the biker scene, and it was happening across the street. You never know when history is happening when it's happening. You only know when it's history. That's a whole lot of history happening in one, like, city block. Yeah. <laughs> Best film of in all time. One, yeah. one of the worst things that ever happened in the country <laughs> at the Good same time. Lord. Industrial Light and Magic's computer graphics department had to grow from six artists to 36 to accommodate the workload for the T-1000 alone. Literally, yeah. that was it. Just for the T-1000. Costing $5.5 and it took eight months to produce oh the effects. Oh, my God. Yep. It amounted to 3.5 minutes of screen time. Wow. That's uh, 1.7 million a minute. All Literally right. six times the amount of people, one character, 
Cost five point five million. Took eight months for three and a half minutes of screen time. Three point five minutes of screen but time. But we're talking about it. What ninety thirty million years, years later? later. Change yeah. their lives. It's what you do for love. And I love this fact because I love Predator so much, and I love Jesse Ventura's character. But the minigun that Arnold uses is the same exact minigun. It's old, painless from Predator. No way. Yes. Oh, that's a good fact. Old, painless. I that's ain't got a great time to name. I know. Was that like the production crew name or something? I don't know, but it probably called it because the minigun, it shoots so many bullets and literally cuts tree down. Like, but before you even know you're hit, you're dead. Yeah, totally. Like, you probably don't even. You're, you're visiting whatever deity you subscribe to for 15 bucks a month. So one of the negotiating pieces for this movie to get Arnold to do this movie, Mario Kassar, one of the producers, gave him, gifted him a used $14 million Gulfstream 3 jet as part of the negotiations. I do not want my jets new. I like them used. <laughs> I don't want to pay insurance on this. <laughs> if it's used, do I have to pay American I, insurance monies? I haven't shifted from State Farm Austria. <laughs> I want to go to Liberty Mutual. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. And I, <laughs> Shall we go to war? Let's, Let's go to fucking war. Fucking battle. War score. It's time for our Let's war battle. card. First right. category. As usual, we'll start off with cast stuff. Best top bill cast, Drew. Woo! Ooh, top you even? bill. This is literally impossible. Ooh. But since it's a category and I have to make a decision, I am going to say Sigourney Weaver. I'm going to agree. Why. Here's why. She's a way better actor. I feel like Arnold has done a lot of films with machismo and Sigourney has too, but this is in the sci-fi world and the action world. There's not a lot of strong leading female characters, and she was given an uh, an Oscar nod. Which, let's be honest, that's Arnold's never gonna get an Oscar, Oscar nod. That's just not. So I gotta go, Sigourney. Well said, Phil. Agreed. I think Aliens as a whole. If we're talking about acting ability, it's all about Aliens. If we're talking about pure gristle, then it's Terminator. But uh, as everyone knows, Arnold really is not a great actor. He's Arnold. You know what you're signing up for. You're paying him for his presence. Yes. Bring me the Turbo Man. Still in like whatever, you know, I'm <laughs> going to mention that. It's not a Tuma. It's not a Tuma. <laughs> yeah, in every movie. I mean, he's just He's Arnold. got the most quotable lines, though. It's true. And I think Hasta it's, la it's vista. mostly because, of, get to the chapa. Like, yeah. it's mostly because of his accent, right? I'll be back. Exactly. I mean, how it's, many? There's countless household quotes because of Arnold. Hasta la vista. Babies. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm going to agree on this, but I do want to defend Aliens. not just Arnold, but Robert Patrick. I was, I actually thought this on my last watch through. Yes, Arnold isn't asked to do a lot, but I actually think not laughing, not smiling, being stoic the whole time, almost having the same exact facial features for both of them is probably harder than you would think. But I was thinking, here's the scene that makes it come to mind. When Arnold in T2... At the very beginning, when he's leaving the biker bar, he's already taken the clothes. And remember the guy shoot, aims the shotgun at him that he ends up using the rest of the film? He aims the shotgun at him, and he walks up to him and takes his sunglasses, but the guy thinks he's going to kill him, and he just takes the sunglasses. Arnold doesn't break face. Mm -hmm. He has the same face as he walks from the motorcycle, has the shotgun, literally takes the sunglasses, and the little fat guy's like, oh, my God. Like It's underrated. Yeah. And it's same a for good Robert Patrick. Both it's of them. They play, like, the android, emotionless thing just very well i think it's underrated but i gotta i side with drew on this and i i think most of my life i probably would have picked arnold but now that i'm older Heiser, 
watching Sigourney <laughs> Weaver in these movies. And it's why most people love Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad. And it's not quite the same because that's a drama show and this is a film. But her transformation from one to two in Aliens is pretty spectacular. It's true. I, I love how she goes from kind of being this... Because think about it. In Alien, they are literally like ship handlers or like people that load docks, basically. That's what that ship did, the Nostromo. But at the end of Aliens... She is in that giant thing, and she's like, what does she say? You bitch! What does she say to the alien? Stay, stay away from her, you bitch! Yeah. It's so like, whoa. And to me, that was like the cherry on top. It's like, she is transformed. She's a new person today. And like, and I think, uh, and I don't know, I think Lance Lance Heinrichson's supporting cast, so I'll talk about him later, but I got to give this to aliens as well. Also, she's just so believable yes. as, a, as a mother figure. Like you Absolutely. see her motivation. Yes, she hates the alien, but then she's introduced to this little girl, mm -hmm. which in a deleted scene, which I hate that they deleted the scene. I, I won't spoil it if you want to go back and watch it, but it spoke more. It was more backstory on why the, the Newt arc was so important to her. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she it just really, really she built a character, whereas Arnold just he played his part really well. He was a really good android. He was very stoic and he did his thing. He was good. It was great. But she created a character that I think a lot of people could relate to. Mm -hmm. And my, I watched this with, I watched both of them, Alien and Aliens with my wife. And she liked Aliens infinitely more because she got Sigourney's character. She's like, oh, I understand her motivation. Mm -hmm. Like when she, she found this little girl and she instantly had a, like a reason for living basically. Mm -hmm. That's good. I got that too, watching Aliens. Um, there was a, in a very apparent affinity that Sigourney had for the girl. And it was either it was really great acting or it was uh, authentic and she played it out really well, but it was very convincing. Like you could watch that, especially being parents, all of us, like you could watch that and, and really understand it. What's interesting about her character, too, and, and I think what she portrays the best is she's constantly going against the will of men. Burke, who's played by Paul Reiser, is like, you know, your typical testosterone-filled corporate guy. Like, she's constantly going against the will of men, and that's how she's constantly, and she's being doubted by men the whole time. She's constantly, it's men with guns, it's the Marines, like, oh, well, we don't think this, you know, she's, they're doubting this alien actually exists. And they treat her like she's a psychopath, and they just doubt her and kind of write her off. Michael Bean's kind of halfway, he eventually buys in. And I think of Vasquez, played by Jeanette Goldstein, because... They obviously gravitate towards her, but she exemplifies masculine traits being this buff right. Marine. And she's constantly having to, in her meekness, confront doubt from, from her male peers. So she really does that well, and she kind of does it in this weird, quiet way. But when she picks up that flamethrower and starts burning down eggs and burning the queen, like to me, I'm like, she has arrived, you know? Mm -hmm. It's so amazing. So that was an easy win for aliens there. This one's tougher, though. Best supporting cast. Aliens, T2. Phil, let's start with you this time. I'm still going to go with Aliens on that one because of Bill Paxton, because of a few of the other guys whose names I cannot remember for my memory fails me. As a whole, that was a really good supporting cast in Aliens. It was great in T2 also, but um, to me, Bill Paxton puts it over the edge because of the star he eventually becomes. Even though in Aliens, he was not. He was, he was just uh, this pseudo-emotional person who was just raging all the time, and then he would arise at the occasion when it mattered. But um, as a whole, to me, Bill Paxson puts aliens over the top. This can't be happening, yeah. man! That was due for surely in two weeks! Now, You're dog meat, pal! Yeah. I'm gonna also agree. 
Bill Paxton, as annoying as he is in this movie, creates such an iconic, memorable character. Like, what a great character. Just that annoying, like, everybody <laughs> knows that guy that's just, dude, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still so, like, you need his presence in the film. And then Paul Reiser, I mean. I, it's true, yeah. He plays that perfect, greedy corporate, like, you want to like him. He's got that charm, that charisma. You're like, like he convinces her to get on the thing and go. He gets his way. He gets her to go. But then, you know, even even when you find out who he is, you still kind of like him. Like you're like, but he's he's probably a good guy, right? Even though he's exactly trying to kill him. Like, that's the brilliance. It's of very his character. he really really crushed it. And then obviously, I mean, Paxton continued like like Phil just said he continued to be a star, but Riser continued to be on to be a, a huge TV comic star. So I'm going to go aliens. Both of you are so attached to Bill Paxton's performance. I have a question for both of you. Do you think his death in the movie was expected because he starts off super annoying, but he kind of takes on a little chivalry throughout the film. I feel like towards the end, you're cheering for him. And then the alien just pulls him under all of a sudden, like he's pulled into the thing and then he dies. Like, do you feel I, like I that love, was- I love those kind of deaths because they are not spectacular. Because when somebody encounters something really unexpected and tragic in life, it's not spectacular. Yeah. And I, I love when there's, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but when there's that honesty behind, yeah, he's got his annoying side, but he's going to stick up for his teammates or whatever. When he gets pulled under by that alien, to me, that was appropriate. It's It sucked, but it was it was realistic. What do you think about I Hudson's feel like death? in in typical slasher film form, the most obnoxious character goes pretty early. Mm-hmm. So that that added up to that checked out to me. It's like yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Which great death! I loved that death when he got sucked under and like yeah. he pushed his face. To, like I thought that was great, and I really think that's kind of when that la- that was like the okay game on. Like that yeah. was the when the the third act really took off. Mm-hmm. Also, kid versus kid, Newt as a as a character versus uh, John Connor. We have a as category a child. We'll get to that. Rough. Yeah, very rough. Yeah, no you gotta con- say no. things like, you suck, man. And I don't know what else. Chill out, dickwad. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> Fuck off. Chill out, dickwad. Dumb face. Yeah, you know, things like that. Well, and I Chill think it speaks dickwad. because I love what you said, Drew, about slasher films because most of the time when you watch a horror film like a Friday the 13th, like the cast has one person that's an okay actor but is going to survive and then the rest of the people are just meat. They're just dead meat. This cast... You start to you like I start to fall in love with Hudson. He's annoying at first, but you start to fall in love with Al Bill Paxton because he starts to take on this protector role. And even Vasquez, who I or Vasquez, who I think's kind of annoying early on, like you start to cheer for her too. Mm-hmm. The only person you don't like is um, it's not Hicks, it's uh, the the captain or the captain that's never done a landing before. He's only done simulations. What's his name? Oh yeah, he's rough. Doesn't he get his face burned and it's then Hicks. he yeah he right. does. Oh yeah, William Hope who plays Gorman. So Gorman is the sergeant or the lieutenant. Like you don't love him because. Like she's like yelling at him, like, "Hey, pull him out, pull him out!" He's like, "Shut up!" He's like, "They're obviously gonna die," and he's like, "Shut up!" Like all of a sudden, he's like digging his heels in, like he knows better. Like, but other than that, like uh, even though this cast is gonna end up dog meat for the aliens, like you love how James Cameron develops these people. I go aliens too, and here's part of it: when you compare Terminator One to Terminator Two, the acting increases mightily. Oh, yes. Michael Bean in Terminator 1 versus Michael Bean in Aliens, it's not. It's night and day. I think he's so much better in Aliens. The, he has less lines in Aliens. Yeah, and I think James Cameron, it was his first major feature film, and he talks about this in the commentary. He had never 
directed actors. He, ne he never told actors how to act. So you can obviously in both of these films that he's upping his game in that area. But Arnold is just so big. And I don't mean physically. I just mean... Even he's got though the he's, presence. Yeah, even though he's not the greatest actor, he is just so big. He's so iconic. He's such a legend that when you watch T2, even though I'm trying to watch Linda Hamilton, I love the guy that plays the psychiatrist in T2. I think he's a great actor, and I love Lance Heinrichson in the first one. Arnold's just too big. Too big. He just is so, he just shadows everyone because he's such a legend. I just think Alien and Aliens, the supporting cast are just so good. So Agreed. this goes to Aliens. Boom. For the same reasons, Bill Two Paxton. Aliens. I know. I know, we didn't know how this was going to turn out, but... All right, I love this category. We'll start with you, Drew. Biggest jump from the original, and this means from Terminator 1 to T2 and Alien to Aliens, which one made the biggest jump? Oh, T2, hands down. Why? Well, I look at Alien and Aliens. They're both phenomenal, all-time classic sci-fi films. Yes. So they, they live, they, they sit on the same shelf. If you're in a liquor store, they're both sitting on the top. Terminator, Terminator 2, Terminator is somewhere near the top, but I don't quite consider it top shelf. It's a great movie. It's memorable, but uh, T2 is a significant, it's kind of like a remake almost. I mean, we've covered this, but it's kind of like a, it's like, let's just redo it, but with money. And to me, it's, it's. T2. Couldn't agree more for all the same reasons. I, I agree, T2. You know, one of the things, the only, and it's hard to call out a lot of negatives about either of these films, one thing I did miss a little in Aliens was the horror of one, because they definitely, the what James Cameron brought was the action and the guns, which was awesome, but I missed that spatial horror that was in the first one that you didn't know what was around the corner. We only had one alien. You didn't know where it was going to come from. You didn't know how it was going to kill someone. You didn't know who was next, and it was just about slowly using the space of this tight little ship to pick people off. And I miss that. And I still love the action. It's got a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think that's perfect. But Terminator 2, for CGI, it became legendary. It set a trend. It also set a trend for how big action films would end for the next. It still hasn't ended. You have to have this big ending, this big crazy explosion. I just think it took such a huge jump because of its innovation. Um, and I love that ending battle. I just think it's pretty incredible how they ended it versus the first one. The ending of the first one's cool, but the T2 ending is like game changing. So I agree, T2 on this one. All right, this next category is called the best one-two punch. And that means disregarding the rest of the franchise, one and two, Terminator 1 to Terminator 2, Alien to Aliens. Which one is the best, like, just first two of a franchise? One-two punch. I, I think I pick Alien and Aliens because there's a cohesive arc between those two films versus T1 to T2. It kind of feels like a do-over, and it's more or less the same movie um, down to the factory scene at the end and people getting crushed in uh, manufacturing gear. And, you know, at one point somebody comes back to kill Sarah Connor and then somebody comes back to kill John Connor. I mean, T2 is a better T1 in every way, but Alien to Aliens as in a complete story arc and a complete concept, I, I feel, is a, is a better one-two punch. I think at the end of Alien, it leaves you wanting to know what happens with... Ripley. Absolutely. The brilliance of Cameron is at the beginning of Aliens, it's like, this is what happens. And it just leads you, it grabs you by the hand and leads you beautifully into the next 
whatever. So I feel like a- the Alien franchise makes you want to know from movie to movie, well, okay, well, now where's this going? Like, I can't wait to go. I-, I watched Aliens the other night, and then I like the first thought I had was, I can't wait to watch Alien 3. Like, I want to know what's Same. next. T2, like at the end of Terminator, there was never like, oh my God, I can't wait to watch the next one. It was just like, that was cool. Man, yeah. that was a great movie. Now it's over. And then T2 was like, wow, they did it again. That existed in the same universe but it didn't leave me it didn't leave me wanting more whereas the aliens so as a as a set i would have to go alien and aliens well i disagree and it's not going to matter because i'm outnumbered but the reason i would go t2 and t1 is because i just don't think you i'm imagining the first time i saw t2 i'm like i'm thinking about the first movie i don't know what i'm getting in the second film you know because it's like i feel like alien is is similar to the first, minus the horror, plus a lot more aliens and, and you know, a really cool supporting cast. T2 is like, you were going to give you CGI, we're giving you a badass new robot, like, we're giving you all kinds of stuff. I feel like you get a big new gulp. I feel like, I know you say that it's a better T1. I disagree, and that's great that, you know, yeah, but I feel like it's transformative. I feel like Sarah Connor's a brand new kind of person. I, you know, we got the new kind of Terminator. They give you so much to chew on in T2, but I'm outnumbered here, so it doesn't matter. No, that's a good point. There, the, it, it it iterates substantially on the first one, especially Hamilton's character, because mm-hmm. she, I mean, she starts off like the point you made. She starts off as this meek little sweet waitress, and at the beginning of T two, she's literally doing curls in a prison cell. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a on a bed that is flipped up. Right? It's a it's a it's definitely a step forward. And um, then in like 2016, there's a whole musical written about her. So ah. <laughs> Alex Linda Hamilton. <laughs> Alex Linda Hamilton. We are waiting in the Terminator wings for you. <laughs> Aliens is leading here early, three to one here. I, I expected it to be a little tighter here, so I'm kind of your host is shocked, and he's talking in third person, which means he's shocked. You're hurt, and the, you're the shocked host dissociates when he is uh, shocked. All right. We talked about this in the first one, but because James Cameron likes containerized sequels, which means he wants people to be able to watch a sequel alone without seeing the original and still enjoy it. We'll talk about this again. T2 or Aliens, which would be the best TV series or, you know, serialized type of show. Okay, so for this, I'll actually go Terminator because I feel like Alien does a better job of being a serialized film series where Terminator, I, I it, it's kind of erratic and sporadic and it, there's not a, the timeline is all crazy and I, I think that a, I would actually rather settle into a nice, coherent, cohesive serial drama about in that universe. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't need that from Alien because that is the film series. There's this saying that um, I couldn't say that better myself. And I, I feel like I finally understand that. <laughs> Just going to leave it there. <laughs> Phil! I'm going T2 as well. And the reason is, is... When you look at what Ridley Scott, when Ridley Scott uh, started to revise Alien when he did Prometheus and Aliens, he reimagined the universe and gave us, like in Alien Covenant, there's all kinds of new aliens. They have new forms, there's new stages, there's this evolution. And you start to see the imagination behind what aliens were capable of. But we're not talking about the future films, we're talking about these, you know, these sequels. I love this idea in T2 
that there's a future entity, Skynet, that's just going to keep sending shit back. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to true. And each one's going to be fucked forever. Yeah, it's like okay, you didn't like T800 with Arnold. We're going to send T1000. He's liquid yeah. metal. He can make blades out of his hands. If you don't like that, we'll send back more T1000. Like I just love that there's this future entity out there. Their whole job is to keep sending back crazier <laughs> machines into the past. It's like you didn't like that. Well, we got this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Blade. Doesn't it make you wonder though who the people you meet in real life could they be from the future? You don't even know. How would you know? And if they were, would you believe them? No one's ever tried to stab me with a hand that became a liquid metal blade. That's, that's how, how you I, know. That's how yeah. I know. Did they stab you with their own flesh? And that's yeah. my that's my truth. And that's called sex. Anyway, we're moving <laughs> on. So I go T2 here too. I love that idea of this future entity. Just their whole job is like sending back better machines to Oh kill. my gosh, though. From the a series that bounce like bounced back and forth from the future to the past. Like if you saw Skynet in 2089 or whatever, sending back things to 2000, whatever, like that would be really interesting. Netflix, 10 episodes. Let's go. All right. We get credit. And James Cameron made a really shitty contract, so we can really cash yeah. in. I think this is the best category. This is the one I've been looking forward Let's go. to. It's not the last, but Ripley versus Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. Why? In T2, she just has this like, disconnected killer look to her that I just don't feel like Ripley has. And I feel like if, I, I don't know. That's all I got. There's no objective reason as to why one is better than the other. They're both tall. They're both thin. They're both jacked. They could probably put on a hell of a fight. You can just say pull-ups yeah. in a prison cell. Pull-ups in a prison cell. I, I think I would take Sarah Connor over Ripley. Best actor, Sigourney Weaver. Best character, Linda Hamilton's character. Yes, that. Uh, because again, at the beginning of Terminator, you see Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor. She's a server in a wet, in a restaurant. By the end, she is a pistol pack and badass. Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley, she's like, she's already gone to space. Like yeah. she's already kind of a badass. The like, final frontier. Any woman I know that's like her job is to work in space. She's already kind of a badass. So to me, the, the better arc and the better character is Linda Hamilton, and the whole dynamic with her son, like it's there's layers to her character that yeah. are un, not paralleled with Ripley. Although there's Ripley just, has, you know, she she starts to get there with the the parenting model, you know, with the with her Newt Newt, Newt. The, Rebecca it to starts to break that ground, but it doesn't quite get to the to the level. And I think what defines Linda Hamilton as being harder per se than Sigourney Weaver is. After significant time passes from being imprisoned in a mental institution and seeing her son, she still finds the time to be a shithead to her son in the car. So she is a far harder character. <laughs> There's just some hardness there that she can just hate on anything. And and I, I am convinced that Linda Hamilton's character is a killer, where Sigourney right. Weaver, I feel like she's still getting there. And shockingly, I could kind of see Linda Hamilton playing Ripley. I don't think I could see Agreed. Sigourney playing Ooh, uh, Sarah Connor. No way. That is the kill shot point. That is right? the kill shot. Dude, Drew is in my head today. 30 he's, love. He's drawing my thoughts out, hence his name. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> it's true. 
I love that scenario just that painted. Is, dude, that, that's the winning argument. Johnny Cochran would be proud. Well, I would go Sarah Connor easily. My my thought was, technically, from a filmmaking perspective, Ripley's arc is more natural because she doesn't divulge too far from who she was. It's Like you said, it's a slow, mm. kind of gradual. So it's actually more natural in terms of filmmaking. But I don't know why they chose to make Sarah Connor so aggressive, so muscular, so crazy, but I love it. My favorite parts of that movie with just specifically Sarah Connor is when she's escaping the mental facility, when she takes the safety pin. That is brutal. She puts the safety pin in her mouth and she locks the thing and the guy licks her face because he thinks she's asleep, which is disgusting. Dude, that was gross as fuck. Fuck that gross. guy. Gross. Great glasses, So he's up though. there, you know, looking on the faces of women that are asleep and shit. Dude, fuck that guy. I do appreciate the turtle shell glasses, shit. though. I don't appreciate anything about that son of a bitch. This is going to be very specific, though. This is And this is going to be so micro but there was a moment when she when she assaults him and she takes his baton and she jumps she's going down the hallway you know how she kind of like bounces down the hallway but she's she a little skip jump yeah not uh -huh. like not like a little like girl doing jump rope like a, like a person that knows how to do kung fu and she's like bouncing and she's just so like ready to fight like she's so trained up she's so good and i give that credit to linda hamilton because she didn't have to do any of that in the first movie if you were just to watch the first movie you would never think that linda hamilton would make this kind of jump but she makes the jump in more i mean i love watching her fight i love it when she goes to dyson's house even though she and i love how she shows her acting skills too when she breaks down because she can't kill him because she realizes that she's going to kill a man that has no idea he's destroying the world with his inventions but i love how badass she is even if it's not as natural as alien sarah connor takes this in a if you just put them both in a cage sarah connor's gonna win i mean <laughs> oh dude without a doubt agreed so. and also she was married to james cameron was sigourney weaver no 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 which makes you wonder what's wrong with her <laughs> <laughs> she's the only woman Maybe that james cameron hasn't married he's married yeah. every other woman on set yeah not sigourney weaver all right next category a terminator versus an alien Oh, and we can include T-1000 versus the Queen in this. I mean, just think about it. All the aliens we've been shown and all the Terminators we've been shown versus one another. Easy. Who? Terminator. Think so? No doubt. What about the acid? Biological, no effect. It would burn their skin away. Acid's but like literally the only thing that could ruin the Terminator. It would melt its alloy. Yeah, but then he'd just reconfigure on the ground like we saw. Well, that's the true only for T-1000, not for Arnold, but. Not for Arnold, but still. I mean, the, the, the crazy thing about the Terminator is like in the at the end of T2, Arnold's arm gets crushed in that manufacturing situation, and he's still mm -hmm. fully functional. Like, they're modular in that sense. Like, but they that, can be, you know, they can totally function without all of their parts. But that begs the question, though, if the lava is what killed the T-1000, wouldn't you assume that acid would also could also harm? Well, maybe if they was dumped on them, their entire body. But if it was, you know, we've seen in all the alien movies, when the aliens get destroyed, they spray some, you know, mm -hmm. acid or whatever. And it will affect certain parts of the body. But as we've seen, even in aliens, people can get sprayed with acid and be totally fine. And that's one of the few negative call-outs I will say about alien is it's very inconsistent Especially Agreed. in aliens, they're blasting so many aliens. But when they choose, it's only convenient when the when the acid gets on someone. But you know, all the aliens have acid blood at the end before uh, Sigourney takes on the queen. She's shooting all the aliens. Magically, her and Newt don't get touched with any acid. It's just very convenient. I would just like to see more consistency in the acid distribution upon slaying. Agreed. Willing that suspension. was I was gonna say it. If you didn't, I totally agree with that. It is interesting to see the alien. Feels like aliens evolved outside of the human race as an antagonist. 
whatever. And and the Terminator evolved within the human race and is a byproduct of the human race as an antagonist. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to c- kind of A-B those. And I, I'm with Phil. I think I go Terminator. To me, it's more threatening because you can't seem to kill the motherfucker. Like, he mm-hmm. just doesn't quit. Which Including speaks, Arnold. Which speaks to the human spirit a little bit. Yep. Whereas oh, if you shoot God, an alien yeah. enough times, it just dies. But the, but the robot, that thing is programmed to deflect bullets, to not stop. It's ready for it. The Operating. robot has seen the alien before in a, in the form of an animal on Earth. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the robot is designed Agreed. to kill the alien. So if we're comparing them, if I've got <clears throat> the T-1000 against the alien, I'm going I'm going Terminator. I agree 100%, and, and a lot of it's what Phil said as well. I mean, even though the acid would get on it and stuff, I mean, Ripley is an untrained person. She literally had to learn what a grenade launcher was. She's not trained, and she took down alien life forms with her guns and with her flamethrower. We're talking about Robert Patrick's T-1000 literally can become any sharp instrument at once, and it's so fast. I mean, by the time he gets acid on him, he's already probably slain all the aliens in the hive, the eggs, the queen. Well, and as soon as he sees the queen, he could just become the queen. Yep. yep. Or or maybe not because he has to I think they dropped a line. He can touch it. He has, he has to, to be it, it has to be of like equal size or something. So mm-hmm. maybe not. Mm-hmm. But he could become an alien and then fool mm-hmm. them and then yeah. yeah. So it's this one is fun. Best oh ending, and you can put into this best ending battle too, but they both have these crazy prolific endings, both ending battles, wars. Which one's the best? We'll start with Drew. I'm gonna go aliens, and here's why. I loved the genius of the thread that you could follow through it with Sigourney's character with Ripley. She started as a loading dock, basically like she got on the space station and she got a job as just like a loading dock worker, which means she would have been working those machines. And then like in the middle of the movie in act two, she demonstrated carried that through. She's like, well, I couldn't like, what can I do? And they're like, Oh, well we got these things need to be moved or whatever. She's like, I can, I can drive one of those things. And she drove it. And they were like, Oh, cool. And that cool the moment. End of the movie in act three, she used that. Like, that's just good storytelling. It's just like, it's callback. Yeah. It just tells the story. Like, this is who she is. This is why she, it, it everything was supported for that reason. I go aliens. I love that callback element. That's true. Storytelling is, it seems so pointless in the early movie. It's just kind of showing off that she knows how to use the loading machine. Yeah. And then it comes it's like, in. why didn't they cut that scene? And then you're like, Oh, got it. Question for you about the end of alien aliens. Were you surprised the first time you saw it that the alien was that had made it on the ship? And then when like cuts Bishop in half, like did that shock you? No. Okay. Cause I saw the first one. I was kind of expecting it. I'm not going to lie. I was a little shocked. I don't know why. It didn't feel final, but I also just didn't know. Maybe it's because I didn't expect the android to be the one to get spray fettuccine sauce all over the place. Which, shout out to <laughs> is it Lance Lance Henriksen. Is that his name? Henriksen, yeah. Henriksen. Shout out to that guy. Incredible actor. Because if you've watched it twice, like the first, because the first time you watch it, if you've seen Alien, you're thinking like, oh, android bad. This guy's mm-hmm. going to be a bad guy. So you're skeptical of everything he says and does. But then like if you you watch the whole movie and you're like, oh, he was an actual good guy. Like he was a mm-hmm. good android. He was what an android is supposed to be. So watching it a second time, like in the, in the cafeteria scene and stuff, like she's like such a bitch to him. Mm-hmm. And he, you could, if you watch his face, like he's just like, he's trying, you can tell like he's trying to compute for like, good reason though. The last android she'd seen. Yeah. 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 No, and like no, yeah, was a fucking traitor. Not a knock on Ripley's character at all, but it, you watch the way he plays it. He's trying to compute. Like, why is she like, how do I get her on my, 
like, I don't understand. I can't understand why she's. And that was actually going to be my next question was uh, about Lance, like Lance Heinrichson. Don't you feel like he, as much as an Android could like display the perfect facial expression yes. for disappointment that she didn't approve of him? Like, I'm like, yeah, he's not a human, but he's not, he's also a machine. He's a hybrid, but somehow his face. Yes. Perfectly reacted. Like it wasn't too emotional, like a human, but he seemed confused. Like I love what he did there. He was brilliant. And even right before he crawled into that claustrophobic scene, which by the way, that's terrifying. Right before that, he made a little joke and then his face, he did something with his face where it was like, and you could see it as an Android. He just attempted to, at making a joke and realized in the moment that, oh, that was funny. Like it, he played it so like human, but not human. It was just a very good performance. I thought. Yeah, man. Um, this is interesting because I don't disagree with anything that was just said. However, there was an intrigue to me watching T2 as to how the T-1000 would be killed. That was probably the biggest intriguing Great thing point. to me throughout mm -hmm. the entire movie. Great like point. how, dude, this guy, you can shoot him up, you can blow him up in a truck, you can fucking run over him, whatever. Freeze him, yeah. Great, great observation. Yeah. And but how was this guy gonna get killed? I loved the fact that they finally it was like, you know, a smelter or whatever, they just dumped him in there and he died. And and I loved that it was this complicated machine that was very advanced and they killed him by throwing him into lava, more or less. Then you get to Arnold's death and they have to do the same thing and they're throwing all these things into and they, they realize the only weakness of these robots is to melt them down. And there was an emotional aspect to that because you see Arnold die in a certain way and then you see the T-1000 die in a certain way. It's so crazy to me because I don't at all disagree with the points made about concerning Aliens ending, but T2's ending kind of wrapped up a lot of questions for me. So to me, that was the better death or ending or whatever the question was. It was yeah. just really intriguing to me. To me, it like tied up a lot of loose ends. And so personally, mm -hmm. T2 was the better ending, but I could objectively yeah. understand why somebody would be super into the end of Aliens as, as the better ending. I feel your pain. You both have made extraordinary points. And let's just get this out now. They're both incredible endings and they both are endings that kind of set a trend for all action sci-fi movies to come, that there would be this, the climax is almost the end. Like there's a middle climax, but then there's an end. You mm -hmm. have to have an end climax. And I still don't think a lot of new modern movies have beat either of these endings. But have you thought about this too, gentlemen? Like there are ties too. Think about it. Uh, the droid Bishop gets amputated before he helps destroy the alien. The Terminator, Arnold's character, gets amputated before he helps destroy T-1000. There's also an emotional moment alien when Bishop is acknowledged by Ripley as we can live together, we can do life together, I approve of you, you did a great job. It's kind of similar. Sarah Connor finally acknowledges, like, this Terminator was legitimate here to help. It wasn't my enemy. Because the whole time she's skeptical about what is this Terminator going to do. James Cameron kind of mirrors these endings pretty well, even though it's one's a machine and hmm. one's an android. There's amputation. There's an emotional climax. There's an emotional moment where they realize they've been wrong the whole time. So I just wanted to point that out, that there's similarities. The the one pushback I would have to, to your point is is he said throughout the movie he couldn't self-terminate. But then when the mission was over, he was just like, okay, well, I've also got to die because of my, you know. Mm. So it was like, well, it, why? They didn't really elaborate. Why can he all of a sudden just be like, well, throw me in the lava now. I'm done. Like, was it because the mission was over, which is fair, but they didn't really clarify? It's because his chip, because his chip would have, could have spawned Skynet. 
they had to get rid of the technology because if he anybody, realized there was, I understand a why. I understand no, why he wanted to self-terminate, but he said in the movie, "I can't self-terminate." Mm. But then he was just like, "Okay, kill me." Like he he offered up to be self-terminate. Like it was just like it didn't feel. He couldn't sink himself in the lava. He had to have someone else push the button. Mm-hmm. He grabbed the hook, but someone else pushed. It the was button. super literal. There was an yeah. extreme literalness okay. to it. Yeah, if you break it because down, if he you think, I guess that's on brand for his character. Well, if you think of computers literal. too, computers are literal. They do exactly what you tell them to do. And so when it comes to the Terminator, he's doing exactly. He could what, tell you the information, like, "Hey, you should kill yeah. me. I can't do it." But you I should. cannot kill myself. I can't press the button. You can press the button, and I'll get on the thing. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I'll buy that. This is like picking between pizza and crab wontons. I mean, this is like. I mean, these are both <laughs> two of the best films I've ever seen. On a Friday seen. night. On a it's Friday been a night, long week. you waited too long to order dinner, the kids are down, and you just have to make a decision. Pizza. These are both so good. I have to go Aliens, which shocks me because I love... T2 is such a, a religion for me, to the Terminator series, but it's what Drew said. It's the callback to the loader. It seems so... And that's, that's great filmmaking when something early on is undersold, which was her taking over the loader... And just showing them, and then the and the military goes like, "Whoa, what a badass!" Well, she can do that shit. And yeah. like even Capone, who was actually in real life, was an actual Green Beret from Vietnam. The guy who played Capone, he was like, "Wow, they're so impressed." Michael Bean's like, "Whoa!" And you just don't even think about it again. You're just back on the movie. And then the end when she she comes out of the shadow because remember she's off screen. She comes out of the shadow in that thing. That is filmmaking both extraordinary feats in filmmaking but the fact that it's a callback and she comes out of that shadow and says whatever you bitch shut up you bitch or what stay away from her you bitch that line coming from her into that's also think those about were it. two great endings yes they're both like how perfect. do you choose i it's, it's hard like to choosing choose. between your firstborn and secondborn and i'm literally only choosing aliens because i just born. think it's james <laughs> cameron but both perfect it's hard to choose but aliens because there's just a little bit more filmmaking there's a there's, there's just like literally an inch more of storytelling hmm. there but again perfect endings to both of these films and i love drew's point or sorry phil i love phil's point about not knowing how to take this because think about it you you see him freeze and he shoots him and shatters him you think finally that's it yep i thought it was done and then it comes back together and that the amount of did you guys feel horror then when he the the melted i was mostly wondering why they were still standing there watching it well because you think he's shattered like this whole time you're thinking how do we take this guy down well we just broke him like and he yep. starts coming back together. I'm horrified. It's true, yeah. I'm like, that, it's never going to end. I mean, I personally, the Alien franchise for me is more cohesive. It makes a lot more sense. I, I like it a lot more personally. But the end of T2 for me was just, it wrapped up a lot of questions. It was perfect. We Did we, so we aliens on that one? Yeah, I mean, yeah. The alien, aliens win, I'm alone. We got three questions left right now. We have four to four it is completely tied this is how i envisioned it It, early on it was a little lopsided but we're kind of coming into our own it's fitting for two perfect films obviously not there's no such thing fantastic films perfect films james cameron if you're listening i know you don't care i love you (laughs) we finally it was hard to come up with bro bro questions and bro questions for the listeners that those are our funny questions because we're fans we're not critics um although we have strong opinions Worst child to adopt, Newt or John Connor? I'm going to say John Connor because it's kind of like adopting Jesus in the sense that, like, he's. <laughs> a, he, I was not expecting I didn't even expect I was that. not expecting He's the that. hope. 
Wow, that was out of left field. But He's I the love hope it. for all mankind. Like you, that's a huge responsibility. Yeah. No thanks. Hard pass. I'll take the girl that's like swimming in Kit Kat wrappers. He's also a dick. You know what and I mean? He's kind he's of like, a tool. Yeah, he's she, a dick. It's a lot sweeter. You're the yeah. savior. I mean, how are you Dude, not on for parole? Me, for me, it's John Connor for totally <laughs> different reasons. <laughs> Drew. I hadn't even thought of that. Like, it's like adopting Jesus. Drew just owned that category. Yes. Agreed. Didn't even think of that. Love it. John Connor because he's such an <laughs> asshole. He's such a dick. Like, Newt. Oh, man. She is just... You can tell this poor little girl's been crawling around in ductwork on a fucking <laughs> nuclear bomb for like weeks yes. avoiding these aliens. She's just like, yes, she would be a psychological project. Like, get this poor <laughs> child back to mental health. And and that would hurt, but that would also invigorate me as as a father. I I would want her to be okay. John Connor, I would <laughs> I would be like, T-1000, take this motherfucker. He's really, he's a shitty child. He's he's rude. He's got weird opinions on things to say to people. He keeps I saying dickwad. Yeah, he keeps saying dickwad. Who says that? Even in 1991. <laughs> yeah, like apparently in 91. I like, was alive then. I don't remember anyone saying yeah, dickwad. No one talked to me. But I was five years old. <laughs> I was probably still playing with my Cheerios. But um, yeah, I would much rather have Newt than John Connor. Because he just seems like an asshole. I don't know. I, I'm at the point in my life where just I don't want to deal with assholes. So it's a personal thing. Five years from now, I may disagree with myself. And hopefully this podcast is running five years from now. And I can disagree with myself. So here's, <laughs> here's where I'm at. I'm an evidence-based person. I'm a results-driven individual. Evidential, Kyle. Yes. And the problem is, is that I've been told that John Connor is the savior but he has this little credit card machine that he uses to steal credit card information at but an ATM. But it works in a fucking lab that is high security. I know security. it works, but what does it's he the do with shit. it? He goes to an arcade and plays shitty games. I do the same thing. He goes through all that effort just to play shitty arcade games. That's not a wise investment. This guy's supposed to save us, and he's going through all this trouble to put quarters in a machine? That we checks all, out, though. Uh, Elon all, Musk is a total asshole. We all got to uh, learn. He's the hope for our humanity, and he's kind of a dick. Yeah. This is going to come down to personal preference. I don't like dirt and gross, and I think Newt is a complete latchkey kid. Newt kind of is just dirty. It's like you don't know what she has. Somehow this little oh, girl is terrible. fine, and she's been running around amongst dead bodies and trash for however long. Oh, and, so that's because she hasn't bathed recently. That's why you're fine. Yeah, what if you Connor? bathe her? But then she's fine. What's wrong with her? I mean, what's wrong Nothing. with her to still be? She's. Uh, what's just, wrong with her? At she least survived. John Connor took a shower recently. She survived the alien takeover of her base. What's she wrong with her? She survived the takeover Zero. at age eight, where John Connor is hanging out in an arcade at yeah. age 13. I got this computer. I mean, it doesn't Me matter. Me and my crocky voice friend are gonna go take this shit money and things. And you talked about Kyle, this. you're mostly wrong. You're mostly. wrong. Mostly. You're wrong. <laughs> Rebecca. Only my brother calls me Rebecca. But she's little. You talked about the Only Kyle has wrong opinions. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about little. the psychological profile. You talk about daddy problems. She has alien problems. I mean, what are you going to do about that? That's a big bill. You don't want to flip that. Psychological problems. You're grooming the Messiah. Yeah. Hey, John, don't stress out. But Who, if by you the way, don't do anything, she literally lectures him in the car like, you know how important this is. You know what you got to. Yeah. 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 This thing, John Connor is a self fulfilling prophecy of assholery. And when he's older, he has scars on his face. Newt all day long. That poor child. All right. Well, we have our scorecard T25 Aliens 4. I didn't envision it. That's how it shook out. 
Wow. Yeah, I didn't expect it. Are you guys surprised by that? A little um, bit. A little bit. Yeah, honestly, because <clears throat> T two was the better, uh, or uh, Aliens was the better sequel. But T two, I mean, it's it's hard to say. They were both fantastic films. It's just too iconic, and I think I think so much of what I think about Aliens is actually just I can't unshake my bias about Alien. Because of what Alien was, it was such a self-contained kind of horror space tension thing. And it was just so well-directed. The acting was great. Terminator 1 wasn't that. Terminator 1 was great, but it didn't have the same level of acting or storytelling. Agreed. Um, so I, it's hard for me to shake what I think about Alien when it comes to Aliens, the sequel. But completely surprised here. So this is where we come to the end. We just talk about what movie we prefer. And I'll, I'll go ahead and start. And for me, it's T2. And like I said, I... These are two perfect films to me. Yes, there's no such thing as a perfect film. I, if you told me tomorrow I got to watch both of these movies, I would literally call in sick and say, yes, let's do that, because these movies are amazing. Man, I'm with you. It's, they're both so good, and they hold up. They're so old. So many new movies that are made that don't even hold a torch to these things, don't even hold a match to these two movies. I don't think any Transformers movie is even close <laughs> to these movies. Why are we talking about Transformers? Well, I'm just saying the modern action, the modern, you know... Megan Fox, maybe. Yeah. But I go T2 because, you know, I love Arnold. I just, I know he's not the greatest. He's he's just this thing in my childhood I can't shake. Can I say a thing about Arnold? Go ahead. There is an Arnold aura that transcends whether or not he is a great actor. He is not a great actor. However, he is an icon. He is... A movie star. He is a movie star. It a doesn't matter star. how good of an actor he is. Yeah. He... When you watch Arnold on the screen, you're in. He's good at what he does. He's not a great actor, but he's a great action figure, and he's a great icon, and he's a great movie star. And to me, it's like a form over function thing. He is form over function. Mm -hmm. and, and the form of him wins. Yep. He's great. And he is fantastic in T2. He's fantastic in T1. doesn't matter if he can't speak English. doesn't matter if he is not the greatest actor. He is fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that's all that matters. You love to love him. Yeah. You love to love him because he's fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. And even though he's in his 70s, if he did a movie today, I'd go watch it. Absolutely. I just love him. So, and before we go to Drew, and I think it's hard to shake this bias, but T2 is later. It's 91. Aliens is 86. And like we said earlier, Cameron innovates with every film he makes. Each film, his first film ever, his first major feature was Terminator. And so you think about how he started. It has the benefit of, you know, five years more of experience. And this is a guy who just who made Titanic. He made Avatar. This is a guy that just creates and innovates with every film he makes. So it does have that kind of little bit of bias that it had five more years of him to embrace innovation. But still, because I love Arnold, because I just personally am attached to this film more, I got to go T2. Well said. <clears throat> uh, but uh, both of these films are absolutely amazing. I, I enjoyed them both completely on any given day. It would just depend on what mood I'm in, honestly, like to watch which film would I choose. Um, but I think today I'm more in the mood for aliens because after watching both of them, and I mentioned this earlier, but I can't wait to watch Alien 3 again because I'm just so into that story right now. Mm -hmm. Whereas Terminator 2, it was an amazing film, but it didn't lead me into the next thing. It didn't make me want to see more. Mm -hmm. It just kind of like was amazing and then the end. Like, But to me, I want to know more about Ripley. So for that, I'm going to go Aliens. I don't even know what to say on this one. Um, I don't disagree with Drew. I'm with you on all of that. 
I think I would rather see the Aliens sequel and that entire series play out. But like in the in this moment, there was something about T2 that just to me, it was a better T1. And I loved T1, but I really liked really loved T2. I think for the sake of this podcast and this analysis, I would go T2 while fully recognizing that I would rather see the sequel to Aliens. But but T2 was a better cohesive package. You know, it wrapped up the entire thing. It, it, it The lore ended. You, you know, all of your questions about how you're going to defeat this antagonist, they're all solved. That's not to say I disagree with it, the uh, wanting, you know, Aliens being the better sequel. But in the moment, I think I would I would go T2 because it was a, a very intriguing, complete film. Whereas Aliens did leave you wanting more. Uh, whereas T2 was, was, was satisfying. So I think I would go T2 for the sake of this exercise. That's episode three, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't taken, we haven't had an easy one yet. We've had RoboCop, Terminator, Alien, Predator, all of great films. We're going to change it up a little bit next time. Next time, we're going Jaws versus Jurassic Park. Oh, shit. Different universe. We're leaning into Drew here because, Drew, you got more of that Jurassic Park. I love talking to you about Jaws. Wait, so who won? Terminator 2 won? Terminator 2 won. By one. That's so crazy, though, because Aliens as a franchise is better, and Aliens as a film is probably a better film. It's but better filmmaking. There is a more cohesive situation going on with T2. Yeah. So it, it, it's funny because this doesn't matter. We're not fucking deciding <laughs> the, the future of America. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for spending time with us. We've done three episodes. We've, we've not done anything easy. We've done, at least with this group, some of the best films of all time, our favorite films of all time. It hasn't been easy. Um, and again, we pick these movies because we love them all. We don't actually, we're not trying to tell you that we think T2 is a better film than Aliens. We love them both. These are fun. We're fans. We're not critics. But uh, we want to thank you for hanging out with us. Next time, we're going to lean into a little bit of Drew here. Drew suggested we do Jaws versus Jurassic Park, which is a change. We've been hanging out in this pop sci-fi universe, but we have Jaws, which is the original blockbuster. I mean, you want to talk about groundbreaking. Jurassic Park changed the game. Yes, T2 was the first kind of amazing realization of CGI, but when I watched Jurassic Park, I thought I was seeing real dinosaurs as a kid. It totally scrambled did. my brain. I went, I saw it in theaters. I will never forget it. This is going to be a battle between two of the most epic creatures in cinema history. We're looking forward to it. But we want to hear what you think. Uh, at the end of the podcast, you're going to hear about all of our social media links. But we want you to go to Reddit. We're going to post some questions there. We want to hear what you think the scorecard was, what you thought was the best film. Uh, engage with us there, and we'll see you there. But thank you again. I'm Kyle. I'm Drew. Phil. Hasta la vista, baby. Baby. Dequad. Drew, Phil, and I want to thank you for hanging out with us on the Movie Wars podcast. If you want to hang out with us until the next episode drops, find us on Instagram and TikTok, username Movie Wars Podcast. If you really love us and want to support us financially, we would love you back for it. Contributing to us on Patreon not only supports us financially, but it gets you access to private content that's not available to everyone. Thank you again for hanging out with Drew, Phil, and I. We love you. Have a great week. <laughs>